This is all theater. This is all just political theater. Political theater. Political theater. Pure political theater. Theater. Political theater. The nefarious, significant, and protracted political, political, political theater for political theater's sake. I yield back. From Washington, this is Political Theater, Roll Call's review of the spectacle of politics on Capitol Hill and across the country. I'm Jason Day. Politics and the media are made for each other, really. Politics is kind of the lifeblood of the media, particularly in the era of Donald Trump, uh, who says he likes to uh, complain about them, uh, decrying the fake news and, and calling the press the enemy of the people. But we know that the press uh, sort of loves covering Donald Trump, and Donald Trump loves to interact with the press. Talking about some of these issues with us on political theater is Christina Bellantoni former editor of Roll Call, currently a professor at USC's Annenberg School of Communication and Journalism, and a very good friend. Welcome, Christina. Thanks for having me. So you are in Washington this week with some of your students from USC. Um, let's talk just a quick, quick little recap of how you got to USC uh, you know, via Roll Call uh, and the Los Angeles Times, and what you're doing here with your students. Sure. So after 20 years in newsrooms, uh, most of them here in Washington, more than 12 years here, it was time for a little bit of a reset. And really recognizing that this industry is in a crisis, uh, the era of fake news is real, and it's really dangerous. And being able to think about that crisis from this level up here without actually being in a regular everyday newsroom crisis. And, you know, that is a little bit in particular about the L.A. Times, which went through some very challenging moments while I was there, a member of the Masthead senior leadership team. A lot of big things happened. They're now on great footing. But even still, just being in a daily newsroom is kind of always a crisis. It's a little bit like Lucy in the Chocolate Factory. And so I thought, you know, I want to try to do something different and think about the next generation of journalists, because it's more important now than ever that we earn back the trust that people used to place in their media that is eroded for a whole host of reasons. Donald Trump really only being this latest one. Mm -hmm. There's been just a, a series of things that have happened. And I really believe starting with the erosion of local news and building trust from what's actually happening in the community around you, and then also the sort of over-sensationalism that you really saw punctuated with the presidency of Donald Trump, and then just the sort of moment that we're in when it comes to technology and what we're all doing and how do we make money. And uh, even here at Roll Call, like we went through a lot of different challenges and everybody's still figuring it out. And so figuring it out in academia gives you a lot more breathing room. And then also seeing these students, they really go into it very skeptically, uh, coming from a lot of really interesting and more diverse backgrounds than a lot of places uh, in newsrooms, particularly here on the East Coast. And with an approach that I think is a little bit more transparent, a little more honest about where they're coming from, uh, rather than just pretending no biases exist, really recognizing it's okay to say, I feel this way and this is why I'm a passionate person who's reporting on this topic. And then really figuring out, like, where are we going from here? And, and I've met some of these students uh, as, as you came to the newsroom, and they, they are, I mean, you know, they're, you've got undergraduates who are at the beginning, uh, you know, of, of their academic life. You've got graduate students, people who have been thinking a lot about, like, you know, what's the next step for me because it's coming pretty soon here, uh, and have, have already seen, you know, a recession and, and so forth. And, um, and you've, so bringing them here from Los Angeles, I mean, they, they see it from, from the other coast, uh, if you will. 
Uh, but talk about a little bit about what you've done, you know, just in your week here. You've met with some members of Congress and, and some staffers. What was that like for them? Yeah, so it's spring break, mm-hmm. and this trip was organized. The idea is to give them an experiential, like, this is what it's like to work in Washington from a lot of different perspectives. So our school is communication, journalism, and PR. We also have a Center for Public Diplomacy. So students come from a wide variety of backgrounds, and the ones who are here are all interested in politics. So that's why we chose them to come. And we've got 20 students who have been in and out with us the entire week. So we were on the Hill for two different days. We met with Congressman Cisneros from California. Mm -hmm. We met with Katie Hill's staff. We met with Paul Cook's staff. And we met with a bunch of congressional staffers and people that have run campaigns and a lot of journalists, including some of our Roll Call alum, including Jen Bendery. And pretty much, yes, uh, pretty much every bit of advice has been, one, network, get to know everybody, just try it, you know, do it while you have no obligations, while you're young, while you have the energy, collect jobs on your resume, collect business cards, collect Wait, we're still relationships. Young, Come on. <laughs> <laughs> Every day I feel less and less so when I'm around these 19 year olds, I gotta say. But um, they're really, they're soaking it all in and I think mm-hmm. it's nice for them to hear it from people who are still practicing because even though I was still in a newsroom in August of 2018, they look at me as a little bit of an ancient person because I'm mm-hmm. now in academia and I'm now one of their professors. And so I think being able to see the inner workings of newsrooms like here at CQ Roll Call, like right there on the Hill, they got to go into the broadcast uh, press gallery, things like that have really helped them visualize themselves in these jobs and realize they can do it. And also to hear, you know, for me, I love when people validate the cover letter writing advice I give and the resume writing mm-hmm. advice I give, because when you hear it multiple times, you actually start to learn it. And is for them, I, I can imagine that, I mean, like, we're all nerds here, right? You know, like, we're all, we, all, we all love politics. Uh, do they geek out a little bit that their professor is on Bill Maher every once in a while or, <laughs> or CNN or that you were in a documentary about the 2016 election where you were very pregnant uh, on, on election night? Uh, I mean, is, do, they, do they geek out a little bit when they're around you? It's a good question for them. I okay. think they kind of like they're too cool for that. Okay. Um, a lot of them don't watch TV either, which is hilarious. Although we are we're going to be on Meet the Press daily. Oh. Um, I will be a guest and they will be in the audience. So that should be fun for them to get to see. And I think part of it is you don't really visualize it while you're just sitting in the classroom. Right. right? You hear these lessons and it doesn't always go in and out the air until you turn the television on. You see, oh, there's that person or there's somebody's name in print. Whenever I share old stories that I've written, you know, they see my byline and they're like, oh, yeah, she has done something. Right. And a lot of our professors are like that. We come out of the industry and then we're sharing our knowledge, but we're not rooted in academia in the same way. And so they get kind of both sides of that experience. And really, even though I have all those practical skills, I think the thing I want them to understand and learn is they've got to read, right? Mm -hmm. They've got to read as much as they possibly can. Like really great writing will help them become better writers, will help them think critically. And that sounds super obvious for a top school, but it is not so obvious when everybody communicates in text speak and Mm -hmm. via Instagram story. And those things are important too. They are communication tools, but they're not the basis of what we should be educating students in this field. Yeah, I, I've noticed too, I mean, like a, a lot of them just in, in a quick moment, they were like, oh, you're, you know, you do your podcast. I mean, obviously they knew that you were, you were coming here to, to do this podcast as well. And it is a great medium. You know, I mean, I love podcasting and I feel it's a good way to reach people who I wouldn't necessarily reach through rollcall.com. But at the same time, it it just feels, I mean, like, I know I don't write as much as I used to um, because I'm podcasting, because it takes a little bit 
of uh, a, a little bit out of the day, say. And is it is it a challenge to get them to say, like, no, actually, you should, probably should read All the President's Men? Uh, I try to do it all the time. Mm-hmm. And I try to say suggested readings in my class syllabus this semester are going to be required readings next semester, I've already decided. Because I just think, you know, you may not do all of the readings, but you should know that you should have to do it. And mm-hmm. the, um, the big college admissions scandal that came out this week is a good example. You know, it's more than 200 pages of documents that are the ones that are related to USC. And I've asked all of them, just go read every page. Yeah. You know, it's it's a long thing, but it's really illuminating. You can learn, and there's a lot of nuggets for, for mining, for reporting here. And that's been kind of cool to see the students, even though they're on break and even though they're doing this trip, they really want to be reporting the story from afar. Our, uh, our old colleague, Paul Singer, uh, who was at uh, Roll Call and is now uh, up, up in Boston, uh, he, uh, you know, he was a big fan of just sitting down with, like, a big document and reading it. And when people, you know, sort of, like to think like, oh, what, what is the special skill you've developed, Singer? And he would just be like, I'm just reading. I'm, I'm just looking for stuff. <laughs> Sometimes right? with a highlighter. Right, right. Sometimes. Or circling words. Right. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and he was. It wasn't anything special. It was just the ability to sit still for a little while and, and check things out. Mm-hmm. So um, with, I mean, part of your uh, your work at USC, you also help the kids, uh, kids, they're students, they're not, they're adults, they're all yeah, adults. Yeah, you got to so. watch calling uh, the kids. Right. I do it sometimes, yeah. but. Uh, but but part of what they're what they do is there there's a uh, radio station there's a television station there's a newspaper there's a website all at USC that they're participating in and they've got to be thinking probably about the next step is there a, a bit of trepidation uh, in in being you know sort of decried as the enemy of the people and and you know purveyors of fake news and so forth so that's not where the trepidation is. And it comes in from what you referenced earlier, the, the industry. And they're seeing, for the first time, buyouts and layoffs are coming from places that they actually consume. It's not just the stodgy New York Times copy editors. It's, it's BuzzFeed, BuzzFeed yeah. and Vice and places that they idolize and where some of their friends have been hired out of school. So that's more personal for them. However, they actually take the fake news thing on as a challenge. And we've seen journalism applications on the rise over the since the 2016 election. Mm-hmm. And Many of them are pursuing more of a an in-your-face advocacy kind of journalism, mm-hmm. which I think is okay if you're transparent about where you're coming from, and there are more avenues for that now, or they really want to be champions of environmental reporting or something mm-hmm. where you know, criminal justice, social justice issues are huge on campus. We see that in application after application. And also the applications, you know, we're a top school, so we don't accept that many people, but we see that the students are increasingly coming from these very interesting backgrounds where they've done interesting things, they have, you know, unique family situations, and they look like every kind of person on the planet and increasingly female. Our class is more than 70% female at Annenberg. Um, every year it gets increasingly more so. So all of those things give me a lot of hope about the future of the industry, which I, I think is helpful. But when it comes to the idea of fake news, they often talk about, like, how do we battle this? You know, when you see President Trump name-calling or, you know, going after reporters personally or organizations on a big scale, and how that can affect things. And they do equate it to violence. They do equate it to social movements. Mm -hmm. And so making sure that they can do that without getting a little hyperbolic about it and making sure that they can really see words have consequences and how does that work or let's talk through this instead of just making a snap judgment and saying the president is terrible. Well, let's talk about why he's saying this. Let's talk about why people believe it. Uh, the Fox News uh, being excluded from the Democratic debates was a good exercise for us to talk to students about because, you know, look, like 
The Democrats can do that the same way the Republicans can do that. This is not a government-run entity. It's their, it's their choice. And why would a primary base, you know, why would they try to reach out to that side anyway in a primary? It doesn't make a lot of sense. And so talking through issues along those lines, and actually the Smollett case, um, the yeah, made-up made hate crime, yeah. was another great example because, look, it taught them people lie. And they lie in official ways. They lie under oath. They lie to police. And so how can you start to question in a different way and go to primary sources and cite those documents? And even though they're getting this really great training, when they sit down and put pen to paper, I mean, in our case, the student newspaper is actually separate from the School of Journalism. It's an Mm. independent entity. It doesn't have curricular support. So the media center that I run is the television show, the radio show, we have a podcast, and then, you know, digital journalism. Oftentimes, they're still really learning. It is a true learning lab where they go through and, you know, they might not have it right the first time. They might call it an assault where it should say a robbery or they might, the little things that we can help guide them on as professors and uh, people that have been in the industry, you can see the wheels turning and clicking when they realize it and they learn that lesson they're going to remember forever in a way that's different from reading in a textbook. Do you think that, uh, I mean, you mentioned that you met with uh, several members of Congress, particularly some of the freshmen uh, who, uh, who won House races uh, in, in California and in the L.A. area. Um, do you think that some of them are thinking of these as not just a cool person to visit on spring break, but a source? Maybe, or also jobs. Uh-huh. I think, you know, because it's communication and PR, also mm-hmm. we're seeing a lot of students who are thinking, well, maybe I should go intern for a member of Congress, or I should try this. You know, a lot of them do want to be journalists, but I think if they got a job elsewhere, they'd be okay with that. And I've been trying to show them that those skills, they are very intertwined. Storytelling, they went to CSIS this week and they mm-hmm. really saw that they do storytelling there the exact same way we do it in the newsroom. Mm-hmm. It might be a different purpose or a different audience, but right. you know, there's skills that they are learning you could do in other jobs. And I think the one thing they've really noticed already is the energy on the Democratic side is very different. And I haven't been back in Washington uh, for a little while and seeing just the way it feels on Capitol Hill, feels a little younger, a little more vibrant, uh, particularly the Katie Hill staffers. They were so like get up and go and in your face. And um, I think they noticed that compared to Paul Cook, who's been on the Hill for a long time and now he's in the minority and he's not a very bombastic member. And they, the students noticed the difference in their teams. And that's in part just the impermanence of power, I think, is a valuable lesson. Well, Christina, thank you very much for dropping by. Uh, Your old haunts, there will always be a spot there, at least in this podcast studio, for for whenever you're in town, I hope. Once in the Roll Call family, always (laughs) in the Roll Call family, as they say. Thank you, Jason. Thanks, Christina. And thank you for joining us. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, NPR One, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And please take a moment to rate us on iTunes. For more on this and other stories, you can visit rollcall.com or find us on Twitter at Roll Call. And thank you for listening.